Okay, so, so let's stop. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Parenting Unknown Podcast. My name is Matt. Thanks again for listening for another week. And as I'm recording this, it is Super Bowl weekend. So if anyone like me, stay out of LA because you know that traffic's going to be ridiculous. COVID's still here. It's still here. Mass mandates are being loosened, being taken away. A lot of states are opening up, dropping everything. But still, all this COVID procedures has taught me, I think it's just DTA. Don't trust anybody like Stone Cold used to say. Because prior to this, I used to be... I used to have this thing about germs. I used to hate close talkers. I used to hate having to touch people, meaning like, you know, handshakes or like some people give you hugs and eh, didn't like that. So when COVID happened, I'm not going to lie. I was jumping for joy. Why? Because it brought on social distancing. Everybody had to wear a mask. And I know it was, you know, public safety, not spread or anything, lower the rate of transmission. But not having to see or smell some some of the things that come out of people's mouths. Because I'm sure you've seen people that just sneeze in the air. And you see every single lit one of those million particles just fly into the air. And you know, one's going to go in you. It was disgusting. So with these masks on, it's, it's really gotten for people like me. People weren't getting too close to you. Because let's face it, times you're waiting in line for things. And you get filled people breathing behind your neck. It's disgusting. It's like, I don't know, those videos you see from like Japan or China, people get into the work and they're just crowding and people are bumping. I know sometimes it's customary for them, but not for me. I hate, I can't stand when people stand too close to you. I can't stand when you're talking to somebody and you just feel their breath just going into you. So these masks, the social distancing was, it was great. So it's one of the things about COVID that we could all take away is that Keep your distance from people. Good Lord. Um, but that's not what this episode is about. Strangely enough, it was just more of a little, a little mini rant. But I'm glad everyone seems to be on the up and up, more positive for certain things. You mean, there's this whole thing with the Ukraine, still COVID, still people. It's, it's a whole lot of shitload of things that are going on. A whole lot of shitload. Of, that's even a phrase, but a lot of things going on. At times, you just got to Keep cool, stay in your circle, and continue on life because you start worrying about the big things, the protests, the inflation, the shortages, the president, the potential of wars. You're just going to go crazy. It's going to be 2020 all over again. A lot of us staying at home, all this information hitting left and right, you're just going crazy. But it's good about controlling your emotions. And that segue into what this episode is to be talking about is teaching kids to control emotions. Just as we teach children to observe physical height, you know, to observe physical hygiene and how it's beneficial for their health, we really need to teach them to cultivate emotional hygiene. They need to learn how to tackle their destructive emotions and really achieve a peace of mind. And I know some of you may hear this, or some of you may have know people that might say this, is that kids just don't care. And I think that's crazy talk. But we as adults that have issues, especially those emotions that stem from our childhood years. From January 2019 to January 2020, depression rate rose from 11 
to 41% of adults in America. 11 to 41. Nearly half of Americans were suffering from depression in that year frame. A lot going on. Elections, racist assholes in this country, police shootings, so much more. And now we got a potential talk of a new virus. So the rates are going high. During the pandemic, a larger than average share of young adults ages around 18 to 24 reported symptoms of anxiety or having a depressive disorder. 56%. This past year was a real highlight in our mental health. Suicides last year were roughly around 45,000. Down 5% for the previous year. What does that mean? Why should we care? It affects us all. We all know someone who has mental health issues who have committed suicide. And if you don't know somebody personally, I'm pretty sure that the knowledge of you know somebody who knows someone is very short if you reach out and, you know, it happens. It's these stats that hit close for us. Last year, my anxiety hit a high with the pandemic. Last year, not so much, but definitely 2020. But honestly, I watched too many movies. So when I was going to the market, seeing a handful more people sometimes, I got the heavy breathing. I got the tunnel vision, chest was getting tight, and I just, I just had to leap. Happened on more, more than one occasion because let's face it, there was a lot going on. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going to happen. If this in fact was it, meaning all the shit that we've seen in the movies, well, me, that we've seen in the movies, the zombies, the, the outbreaks, the little, the little monkey spreading diseases like in the movie Outbreak. Was this finally it? Were all those sci-fi stories actually coming true? So we'd sometimes, some of the times we just didn't know. So the anxiety, was, it was killer. And, you know, with all that, beginning of the lockdown, losing my job, other things, it was at an all-time high. There have been certain situations in life where I go through and I have flashbacks to when I was young. And just in a sense, I, I lose it. I don't go crazy like King Kong where, you know, jump on top of buildings, start smashing things, throwing, you know, hammer fists everywhere. I stay quiet and I shut down. I get lost in my mind. I start thinking of the worst. By the time I know it, I have all these feelings from a non-existent scenario that, that I created to affect me. It was like I'm in a black room with the vortex in the middle, and it's just slowly sucking me in. Just little by little, particle by particle, and I feel it. And I know that if I don't do something, if I don't move, I'm going to get sucked in, but I'm frozen. And I'm just accepting it. That's just the way it is. The feeling of there's no escape, no hope, no reason, just all at once, it sucks. And fortunately, I haven't had one of those thoughts in many years, but now my emotions, I've learned how to coexist with them. The way I process them now is different than when I was a kid or even a young adult. So this is something I want to help my kids with. And let's face it, kids go through all the emotions. I'm finding out from the ages of three to five, they get them all. The big ones with mine are anger and frustration. I am no way an advisor. I'm just sharing what works with me or especially with my kid. And it's just as simple as letting them know that it's okay to feel the way they do. And next time, if it happens again, let's try to take a deep breath, use your words, and ask for help. Ask for help for mom or for dad, seeing that maybe we could try to help you figure out to get you what you need. And it's all been working, especially with my boy. The boy's a little sensitive, but let's face it, I'm sensitive. Yeah, it's funny that I may be a 6'3", 300-pound guy, 300-plus pound guy, looking angry, looking on me with the head shaved. Big, not big, but with the beard. And I, I looked up, but deep down inside, I'm very sensitive. So our kids are a huge reflection of us. And my boy got the sensitive part. Telling him all this, it's, not de- it's definitely not perfect, but it works. It does over time. 
We have to be there putting in the effort. We have to take a look at our kids' emotions. Think of it as an equal part of us. And for adults who have some of the mental issues too. Like I said before, it's really about them. Once they're here, once they're in front of us, it's about them 110%. Sometimes you get on the back burner, but it's about finding that balance. Helping yourself so you can help them. And what helps sometimes is speaking to them, helping the kids as you wish to be spoken to. It's like double healing. I remember seeing so many kids growing up that they were good kids, but they had their huge emotional problems. They lashed out, they got into gangs, they chose violence, and they all had some issues with their lifestyle, their home style. A lot of our families have similarities. When it came to, you know, drugs, drinking, substance abuse, some parents took it on the kids. I was lucky where I was with my grandma the last leg of her life, so her abusive days were, they were over. But my uncles were still fresh. 30-something-year-old guy, now you got this kid going back and forth and used to being you so many times. I mean, we butted head. But make no mistake, if I was with her in her prime, I'm sure I would have got a couple of beatings. Maybe, maybe not being the grandkid, the circumstance of my mom going to prison. Things might have been different. I don't know, but you never know. Just thank God from some of the stories that I've heard, I always wonder how some of us came out the other end. I do know that some of us, well, some are in prison, some are homeless, homeless junkies, all dealing with their emotions. I could give you all these science answers, but when it comes to dealing with kids' emotions, but none of that means anything unless you're willing to make the effort. And for a majority of guys, it's hard to express our emotions. It's hard to admit the way we feel. It's something that's been taught, installed in us. Our older dads, brothers, uncles told us, very young, to suck it up. Don't let anyone else see you cry. So you can imagine when I heard boys don't cry, some guy talking about his emotions, it kind of blew my mind. And, but that's, that's from a different story. You know, but when it comes to that term, suck it up, certain times it could be useful. At the same time, it could be damaging. It doesn't really let us attack and face our emotions the way they should be taught at an early age to confront them. But you know, the term suck it up can really come into play sometimes when you're faced with an emotional high where you have to put it, you have to put your emotions, your feelings aside for a split second and deal with the imminent issues. When my son was choking, it was easy to break down, but all that had to be set aside and we had to save him. And then that pain and frightfulness hit. So you're probably asking what happened. Well, I was taking a shower. We were going somewhere, I think. Wife was getting ready and my kid just started choking. My wife yelled for me and I, I ran out, put my boxers that I had on and my son was choking. I didn't know what what he had in his mouth. And to this day, I don't remember if it was my wife's, one of my wife's rings or uh, a penny. I, I don't know. I think it's a ring. And fortunately, he was still awake, conscious. He was still breathing, gasping for a little bit of air, choking. So it was fresh. Checked everything real quick. He was choking, wasn't turning red or anything, wasn't passed out. Eyes were awake. He was looking at me, but, you know, choking. So stuck my finger in his mouth. And I felt it, took it out again. He started choking a little bit more, stuck my pinky in again, and my finger went into the ring hole, pulled it out. He was good. But just thinking, it was scary because you didn't know how long, how long he had to choke and then pass down and then, you know, the further steps, CPR. Thankfully, I know CPR and 
I think everybody should, especially when you have the small kids. So like one of the little paranoia things about being a parent is the kids choking on small things. And this is why we prepare. This is why we retrain. I mean, we should get some of that knowledge and how and what to do, what happened. It's always the ABCs, airways, breathing and circulation. There's a little heads up. So if they're choking and they're awake, conscious, looking at you, taps on the back, a little push in the stomach sometimes, and just look in their mouth, see what they're choking on. Because chances are, if they're a smaller kid, your pinky finger could be long enough to reach in, grab it, pull it out, and hopefully things could be good. But if they pass out, they go completely limp. You got to start the circulations. Depending on how big the kid it is, infant, toddler, bigger kid, you can use two fingers, one hand, two hands, do the compressions, tilt their head back every, I think it was like 30 cycles. It, these things change. So when I was learning things, it was like every 30 to 40 cycles, then a breath, 30 to 40, then a breath. But last I heard with a couple of things that they were getting away with some of the errors and it was just circulation, circulation, circulation. So I know it's turned into a quick little lesson, but smaller babies, if they ever pass out and you're going to give them a breath, fill your mouth out, fill your cheeks out, and then blow in lightly because you don't want to take a deep breath and blow into them because you could pop their little lungs. Fill your cheeks up a little bit, let it loose. Same thing with toddlers, the older kids, you give a little bit more of a breath and then you just keep pumping and pumping. But thankfully, if you're, if you have somebody, call 911 immediately. But these little things that you got to be quick. There's no time to to cry. There's no time to break down and be hysterical. I mean, there's don't take this as being dismissive to people that do do that because these are horrible experiences. These are horrible scenarios. And sometimes we, we just freeze. But what I'm saying is the whole suck it up thing comes into play with certain scenarios like this. I had to suck it up before I got scared, before something was really wrong with myself. I had to put all that aside and take care of my son, take care of his life. And some of these things that we got to really learn throughout life. You know, when working through powerful emotions, it really frees up a child to be their best self. A child falls into a pattern feeling, feeling suppression. If a child falls into a pattern of feeling suppression, they will be unable to function to their full development capacity. Unchecked, it can interfere with the kid's day-to-day ability to function. But you know, every kid is different. <clears throat> I don't think I would be doing this with the kids if it, was, if it was part of the job. It is so hard when we teach them because sometimes they're also working through their own emotion. It gets overwhelming. They're angry. They're frustrated. They're excited. Sometimes the last thing they want to do is hear their parent talk to them trying to help them. They they just got to go through the emotions. So it's overwhelming sometimes for them. Hopefully what we teach them can create a good foundation for the kids, especially for their future. When you support your child in acquiring some of the skills to identify and express their feelings, you are contributing not only to the lifelong term, you know, the positive mental health, but the overall around health. But as parents, it starts with us making that first step, taking that step into these situations that are uncomfortable uncomfortable for us, especially some dads, to talk about emotions, to express themselves. Because like I've said before, for some, a man who expresses their emotions are weak. They're either weak, feminine, and just less of what they're supposed to. That's completely different. If you're 
a person or a man that could show your emotions, you're someone who's strong. I had I had somebody tell me this. Actually, one of my my old judo sensei, my old judo coach, told me this, and it really it really struck with me. It really sat with me. It really resonated in my mind. And a lot of us who talk to each other and you know express sometimes what's going on it takes a lot. It takes a lot to confront that. It takes a lot to say, you know what? I'm gonna go into this, I'm gonna go against this whole traditional sense of the quote unquote what it means to be a man. I'm gonna talk about it in my emotions. And it's all the stuff I wanted to hear growing up. 32, I'm making the efforts and starting these kids off right. Now, you could hear me talk about this till I go blue. You can look up everything however you want, but sometimes these things really gotta take experience. Some of the things really gotta take with us taking a deep breath being able to navigate what's going on and throw a life branch out to the kid. Something that's worked recently with our kid is we're homeschool. And being homeschool, you're with a charter school, you get you get a certain amount of funds for the year. It's like twenty six hundred. You buy that for books, curriculums, anything has to do with learning, use it for field trips. It all goes towards the kids. So I took advantage of this and bought some emotional books. And they're kids' books, how to deal with emotions preferably anger, frustration, how to deal with it, what it is, and ultimately how to overcome it. And I was shocked how quickly this book worked with my kid. Because that same day, he has a little spat with the sister. He gets frustrated. He gets the toy first. I don't know, whatever it was. But he got upset and he looked at me and he said, I'm so angry. I said, okay, what do you want to do? Are you okay? Do you need anything? So I got to sit down and take a deep breath. I said, it was okay. You take a deep breath. If you need anything, let me know. I'm right here. And I told my wife, you know, I was a little excited too, because we had just read that book maybe a few hours ago. And he already remembered what to do, taking deep breath, counting till 10. So it was a little bit of shocker, but I knew that talking, sitting down with them, it really hits in their brains. Now he has the tools to confront his anger and how to deal with it and to ultimately feel better. This book talks about taking deep breaths, Kind to 10. Sometimes that doesn't work. Exercising, doing some squats, stretches, standing, running, playing. Us here in our house, we have a punching bag. Tell him he get the punching bag. He works out with me sometimes hitting the bag. So all this helps. And why not? The kid's learning. He's grasping it. And most importantly, too, my little three-year-old girl is, is doing the same. So I sit there and ask them questions. They could turn around, take a deep breath, count to 10. Both of them say that. And today, I introduced him to meditating. We sat down. I read him some books. If you follow my page, I posted on my story some of the books we read. It was One of them was the Anger Emotional Book. You know, it was a book of La Llorona. Llorona. I butchered that. It's a counting book. And there was like a couple others that we read. So we read those. And I told him, you know what? When we're angry, what do we do? They repeated what we do, what we could use. I tell them, once you do that, if that doesn't help, or if you want to use this too, it's something called meditating. Both repeated the word. And I tell them, so we're going to sit here. We're going to cross our legs, sit up straight, hands on our knees, close our eyes. And we're going to take five deep breaths. And of course, once you meditate, there's different breathing techniques. If you want to do some sort of chants, if you want to extend the time, but they're five and three. Three-year-old, sitting down for five deep breaths, closing their eyes, 
takes a lot of their exp- uh, attention span to, you know, deal with that. And they did it. I was very surprised and very proud of them. So these little things that we could really teach our kids how to deal with certain emotions. And one of, our, one of our most primal instincts, the anger, the frustration, we can really make a difference in their lives. Hopefully, when they get older in the future, they can still keep these teachings and help them. So thanks again for listening for another week. And until next time.